una y dos y dos una y dos Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 19, Beauty of Color. We have a special guest by Zine Queen. She is a cannabis influencer as well as an artist. In Art Life, we're going to be having a conversation with her about feminine beauty in classical art. And also in Culture Talk, we're going to be talking about colorism, Amara la Negra, and some of Latino community issues. And I want to give special shout outs. First and foremost, Tabs One got me here doing this commission, this Predator commission. I'm sure you guys have been watching me sketching and inking. Hope to have that done soon. Uh, shout out to JJ Smook. D Menace, D Double, Sec Loco, Monochrome Books. I got the book in the mail. Thank you, homies out there in the UK. Distract, Nova GWB, The Apparition 718. Hablando Plepas, hope to record with you soon. TK in the AM. If you haven't heard them, go check them out. TK in the AM. And Chico in the Grin, hope to record with you soon. Y un saludo a mi gente de Puerto Rico que se han tirado a la calle a protestar a luchar por sus derechos, nunca dejen de hacerlo, muy pronto nos van a escuchar. Aquí los apoyamos siempre. All right, so we have Bizine Queen here, cannabis influencer and artist. Yeah. Describe for me what is cannabis influencer. This is interesting, I like that title. The title basically means um, somebody who's just in the space of cannabis and um, promotes positive use promotes uh, different types of products that also enhance the lifestyle, um, go to parties, go to different events, and kind of just be present in, in what it is to define the legalization of what's going on maybe in Jersey or New York or any of my surrounding areas. So that's really what I do is kind of just enhance what it is to be in the world of cannabis and like show it from my perspective. I have been doing this for about, you could say maybe 10 years now. All right. I'd like to explore, you know, that subject a little more. Maybe we'll get into that a little later. But um, all right, so we're here to talk about beauty. What is beauty in art? Um, we all look for beauty as an artist. When I first got into it, obviously I want to make something look beautiful, um, whether it's a beautiful drawing, a beautiful sculpture, whatever I'm doing. I would even say in graffiti, as a graffiti artist, you look to make your graffiti piece be beautiful, right? I, I've made the comparison at times that my graffiti pieces, I want them to represent a female figure. It should have slick curves, it should be sharp, it should be attractive, it should gra grab attention. You know, when I do my pieces, I want you to look at it and say, it's beautiful, but it looks dangerous, you know, at the same time. I think there's something about graffiti also, in graffiti lettering, you want it to be bubbly, you want it to be fun, you know what I mean? You want it to look wild, a wild style describes a woman also. Um, I think there's a, a relation between artists and the impression of, of a woman or a female femininity, beauty, and how they all come together. So I, I thought it was an interesting topic. I thought it was something that we could explore, especially right now in this in this episode. I'm surrounded by women here. I got uh, yeah. Carla de Puerto Rico and Queen. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, art art in itself, like the the art you just described, um, starting from the from women, the view of it, it's kind of a celebration of women. You know, sometimes we're we have kind of a bad stigma in certain parts of the world, but when it comes to art, 
um, art has kind of always had a real big celebration of women, women's bodies, their flow, their their curves, how um, how graceful they look when they're just sitting there. Maybe them amongst some animals, amongst children, or just a celebration of women in itself. Art has kind of always included that in there, even if it's silent. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and and it's a celebration, and then sometimes people use it as a negative, and that's exactly. something else mm -hmm. we'll talk about is how the the celebration of one person's view of of what is beautiful can sometimes impact other people where they feel left out or they mm -hmm. feel discriminated against yeah that kind of thing mm -hmm. um art and beauty i can't start this topic without going all the way back um back in time to bc 28,000 bc the ice age um and also back in time for me because this is the, one of the first things that i learned when i studied art history the first sculpture, or what they consider the first sculpture that we found, the earliest sculpture, which is the Venus of Willendorf, is what they call it. Um, Vizine, you were, you were telling me about it. You know a little bit about it. What do you know about that sculpture? Um, what I was saying was that um, at the time that it was found, or as far as I remember on something that I watched a few years ago, is that that was kind of the first um, representation of that kind of a body figure that they had ever found in a prehistoric way. So they had never, or they hadn't seen as often artifacts that kind of celebrated that kind of a body type um, in its in its purest form. You know, uh, chubby, if you will, with large breasts, full frame, but very tall, standing, kind of proud, um, just kind of celebrating the body itself. So it was surprising um, for the time that something like that could be found that it was celebrating that kind of a visual of a woman back then for however however old it is yeah uh so so that little venus sculpture for anybody who doesn't know basically it's a little stone sculpture that was found prehistoric uh it looks like a little ball if you were to look at it it's like it's about the size of your hand it fits in your hand and it's made out of stone and it's carved it looks some people interpret it we don't know all the facts because i was even looking for more research on it and it Everybody doesn't know the full story on it. There, it hasn't been found yet, the real story behind it. But they assume that it's some sort of fertility uh, figure or maybe just an, an idealized female figure at the time. Some people say it might be a pregnant woman. It might represent pregnancy. Uh, it's basically a small, full-figured female with large breasts, you know, the way you described it. Uh, and then the hair, they don't know whether it's a hair or it's a, a hat that she's wearing but it's a, a very simplified form, yet you can tell that it's a human form. That's the interesting part, is that even though it's an iconic simplification of a female, our human instinct lets us know that's definitely a, a female that we're looking at. The interesting thing about that, and I think that ties into other subjects, is we found his form, but we call it the Venus of Willendorf. So we apply a Greek term, a Venus, a god of love mm -hmm. and we apply it to this thing that is prehistoric that has nothing to do with Greek culture or, or any Venus or anything of that, like that um, and then the fact that in modern times we still use the Greek standard yeah. of beauty in our fashion in our modern thinking I mean even all the way to like uh, what we're looking at right now with the superhero movies you know the, mm. the, the goddesses and the, and the gods and the, you know what is it Wonder Woman is uh she's it's almost to... like a representation of a, Ven of a venus in yeah the superheroes mm -hmm. the superheroes the gods mm -hmm. of war and all this kind of stuff and video games and all that it's interesting that we still use these old ideals even though we know so much about so many different cultures now we are so mixed and so everybody knows so much about the world yet we still use this old thinking 
right? We still kind of look at each other and use old vocabulary when describing each other. Um, and I think that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, it's that it goes back to the European view or the Greek view. That was the first thing that it was actually written, that then we have documents that talks about supposedly uh, beauty image and how we should see each other. And then that's the beginning of supposedly history and society to then the European view to then everything that we're living right now. So I think because it goes so back, um, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I think that it we have that impregnated in us, even, mm -hmm. even though we didn't live that time. We didn't live with the Greeks, but we know how they think because that's, that's how history is based. History is based in that. Yeah. I mean, when, when we think of the Venus, we think of Venus de Milo. If I were to tell you, hey, tell me what is the Venus? Uh, what is Venus? Venus is Venus de Milo. It's that Greek sculpture with, with the arms missing. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, the ideology of the Greek times was, you know, like a modest body figure. It was full, but it was modest. It was modest breasts, you know, a little curvy, uh, not, nothing too voluptuous, nothing too, you know, uh, eye-catchy. You know what I mean? It, it was kind of like more about the idealized, what they considered an idealized form, yeah. uh, idealized proportions, proportion of the head to the arms and that kind of stuff. It boxes itself into a tricky ideal because a lot of us aren't, the ideal proportions. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when I was first learning how to draw, a lot of us learn how to draw these concepts. When you teach you to draw, they teach you to draw the human figure is seven to eight heads tall, the, the, the arm distance to the head, to the shoulders, the, the eyes, the symmetry in the eyes, and the, where it should land on your head. In comic books, and comic book drawing, they teach that almost like it's science. Mm -hmm. Like you should learn this because this is scientifically true, but it's not and the villains are always drawn out of proportion and the heroes are, are always drawn perfectly in proportion right. to the ideal the greek ideal right um, <laughs> that's horrible because i'm sure i'm sure that's relatable in real life too when you look at people exactly mm -hmm. and that, you'll automatically assume someone isn't of the norm or isn't a good person because they're tall or oblong or you know um or bow-legged and stuff like that and that's that's kind of messed up that you make that point because then it kind of speaks to why um disabilities aren't really acknowledged or respected in this in this day and time a hundred percent and and sometimes uh when people say oh that person has a blocky figure or has no curves uh -huh. that woman has no curves They're, they they have bodies yeah. like boxes or, or he's built like a linebacker <laughs> yeah uh <-huh>. yeah <laughs> or, or he's got a big head he's got oh look at you know they yeah. have short arms they have long arms there's a lot of a lot of that that goes around, and I think that comes from that comes from art, from art ideals. These art ideals have some philosophy behind them that might be a little twisted. It might be they might have to be updated, you know. No, no, this, that's why the conversation is happening because everything that's everything that we're looking at in today's day is based off of Roman Catholic times, and there's a particular reason why Washington D.C. in its majority looks like Rome um, to a certain extent. It's built off of the design of the buildings of Rome, like everything is kind of in in homage to the Roman times, um, not only just the art and the physicality of things but like you said in comic books in reality maybe even the english that we speak today um the way we speak it and you know our obsession kind of with rome comes from those times um and we're still following it a lot of people are awakening to it but i think it's important to know the history first 
before you can even approach what's going on right now. True. Yeah. True that, true that. Um, I remember the first time that I took a figure drawing class. A lot of the stuff that you learn in a figure drawing class when you're drawing people that are different proportions, and I think that the art teachers purposely don't give you models. They give you, figure drawing models are different than regular fashion models. Figure drawing models look like you and me. They mm -hmm. look like regular people. Um, they have body fat. They are, they're, sometimes they have, um, the women maybe have given birth and have, you know, they have their, they've had multiple children. Their bodies are not the model fit type of figure for mm -hmm. fashion, for clothing. They're more just people that are, can pose well and, and, and give you a good impression when they pose. So you'll see women that you're not used to seeing, you know, especially when you're young and you're in art school, you're like 18, 19, and you're in an art school and you're seeing a, a woman that might look like your mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? A, a motherly figure and, you're, and they're mm -hmm. nude and they're in front of you and you're drawing this and you're thinking to yourself, you're, you're, it's challenging what the media is putting in your head. Yeah. It's challenging what you've learned up to that point in comic books. It's challenging what you've seen in cartoons. Um, and a lot of these things that they do in comics and a lot of this idealization of figures is out of laziness, is really what it is. People want to standardize a look, so they teach you to draw a certain way so that you can get these drawings out there um, and so that people can identify an iconic image. So when you go into an art school and you start to learn figure drawing, you start to challenge these things and you, your view gets more complex. You see things with a little more subtlety and a little more complexity. Um, but I remember when I first started drawing these figures, these people, and I would and I would look at the guys, especially. You know, I would see guys that were older, that were in their 50s. You know, and I was just a teenager, you know, early late teen, you know, early 20s, and I would be drawing these figures, and I was really looking ahead into into what the future looks like for a male. Oh, like wow, I'm gonna look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, you and know, it's actually, um, the Iggy human Pop. experience. Huh? Does it at the uh, Iggy Pop? Yeah. He actually does it, I think, at the MoMA. Oh, yeah? He, yeah, he's like, he's the nude figure. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like five, $600, but it's Iggy Pop, and he's like butt naked. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, it's Iggy Pop. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, what about you, Vizine? What do you, what do you remember? What's the what was your first introduction to art and beauty, like the mixture, like a beautiful image? What do you remember? Um, I remember, um, I guess, I guess toys have always been the vision of art for me, the prettiness of it, like maybe like a Barbie and ah. the visuals of how they look, you know, the pretty yeah. blonde hair, the light skin, the blue eyes. Like for me, um, I do do a lot of, um, let's say, art that looks like me, but I actually tend to do more art that looks like Barbie. And that's really because of everything that I've seen my whole life. And it's not a preference, but it's really, you know, it's your hand. It's yeah. the art that you choose to do. It's what you enjoy. So sometimes that comes out to be more of 60% of what I do because I enjoy looking at it. Um, also, when I was like in sixth grade, we took like a school trip to the Frick. Okay. And like my life like changed after that because it was like this was somebody's house and now it's like a museum and it's gorgeous. Um, and they have like the most iconic paintings of the renaissance period and things like that so when i was actually in sixth grade sixth seventh and eighth um our school had like a renaissance division and that was my class so we always did like a renaissance fair every year we always did like a little booklet where everyone tried to do art i actually was doing art back then but you know it didn't mean anything because it was in school right but that's kind of my first introduction to kind of the uh, the European view of the art that we have available to us right now, like in the city. Um, and you get to see like kind of the women that we just explained, the prettiness, the simplicity, the um, 
how basic they look, but also the deepness of the oil paintings, how old they are, how long they've survived. Like, and this is awesome. This is awesome. Even though it doesn't represent everyone, it's still incredible to know that it exists. Like, it's still awesome to have. True. I, that makes me think also of art. Um, I mean, just use the word European, and it makes me think, you know, in Latin America, art has a lot of European influence. But then yeah. if you look at older, ancient art, you know, the idea of, of a female figure in, let's say, Mayan culture or Inca culture or whatever, it's probably totally different. And uh, But then again, it was an ideal of beauty for them. Yeah. Most likely. Or, or maybe, see, that's the thing. Or maybe ha I'd have to do more research on it mm -hmm. to really have a good answer. But maybe it had nothing to do with beauty, the female figure. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I think that gets back right. into the concept that uh, if it's a female in art, it should be the Venus. It yeah, should be something yeah, yeah. beautiful and romantic or love-related when maybe male and female wasn't really in, in older times based on love or even beauty. Yeah. You know, the idea of a female being beautiful, why would it... Maybe the males were beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in other cultures, men maybe were the beautiful ones and, mm -hmm. and females weren't. I don't know. Um, but I think that's also something that's happening now with this whole gender thing. What is beautiful? Is it beautiful to be a male? Is it now men, women, transgender, all these, you know, different categories? Well, actually, more more when the uh, when Roman art is more uh, regarded in, like, museums and you see it on display, you see more male-centered art than yeah. you did female. It's yeah. more... Roman art has also the celebration of the male body. Yeah. And that, that whole entire time period of Michelangelo, Galileo, and that during that time period, there was also a big celebration of the male um, body and the male look as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know what's funny also is how when you think about beauty and you think about the celebration of beauty and all that in art, but then you have so much censorship. You have so uh -huh. much like, like we want to make beautiful figures and make them all like, oh, the woman is a beautiful body and all that, but then we want to cover them up. Yeah, <laughs> for nothing, because then you go further back in time and you think about the Kama Sutra. Like, the Kama Sutra will never die. It'll always be amongst us in some way, shape, or form because, like, it is, like, in every form, us. That's us. You know, yeah. like, the exploration of us, the exploration of bodies, the exploration of you with one other person or other people, however many people are in, have mentioned in that book. Um, it's, it's just a part of us. Whether they want to censor it or not, it's a part of our life. It's a part of us. Yeah. Yeah. What about when you, when you do a painting of a, of a woman of a female um, this is from a male perspective but if uh -huh. you do a painting of a female and it's not flattering and it's yeah, not attractive I <laughs> no i can't but aren't we quick to judge like if i did a I painting of, yeah. of a woman and and something about her just doesn't look beautiful aren't you going to be the first one to jump on me and be like yeah, well, exactly. why you, i don't like that i don't like the way that looks <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, then I'm, I'm a stickler for it. I need, I need you to look exactly how I expect you to look. Uh huh. <laughs> I think, I think that it will be a problem because then, because of what we're talking about, the standard of beauty, people will see that and will say, "Why are you looking at the figure of a female like that and representing it that way instead of looking at her, the the beauty that she can represent." Right. And then I think, yeah, that, that would be funny. And it's crazy because anyways, that's the reality. Like you're trying to bring out the reality of the figure of this person. But people, I guess people are too, I don't know. They, they just want to see the, the standard of beauty that is beautiful and that's it. I've, I've shown my, my, my figure drawings or my life drawings to people. And I'll get on the, for the women, I'll, I'll get comments about, from women and men, 
that when there's when I'm showing them a drawing of a woman, I'll get immediately beauty comments. Right. Uh -huh. How the face looks, how the, you know, she looks heavy, or were her breasts really like that, or really like, man, but she looks kind of tough. I don't know. She looks a little, you know. And yeah, it's I hard out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got picked apart. <laughs> yeah. We got picked apart. Seriously. You, get, you have you get no breaks out here, man. No, it's it, like it's a, hard. It's hard. It's confusing because it's a it's a it's a it's a division between a celebration of of women. Mm -hmm. And the appreciation and the love of it, because you know who doesn't like women? Period. Uh, the appreciation of it, the beauty of them, but also it's a, a very critical world. Like if you choose to be naked, you'll be criticized. If you choose to be covered, you'll also be criticized. Exactly. If something's oblong, if something's this, uh, if you had breast cancer and then you know you have to remove your breast and you got tattoos all over your chest, they'll criticize that too. It's like you have no humanity across the board. Yeah. You don't get a choice <laughs> in who you are or what you look like. We choose for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's insane, man. No, it's, you, you, uh, you. I do not envy that. You women are, you women are walking, walking pieces of art, right? You all day, every day. You guys are walking. I guess you have that's to, true. Yeah. You have yeah. to decorate. So you, get, you get pointers and critiques all day long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> every day. You wear makeup, good. You mm -hmm. do not wear makeup, ah, uh, not that good. Or when you do not wear makeup, oh, that's better than when you do ma wear makeup. <laughs> Like, oh, I seen an article like that wow. that it said that if, if you're not wearing makeup, uh, you look less capable of doing your job than when you are wearing makeup. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, because you look wasted and tired or whatever. Yeah. So people will perceive you as like lazy and not working. It's like, dude, it's just makeup. You don't know how annoying <laughs> that is, like an extra half hour. Exactly. Okay, that's what would have made me late this morning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's another another place where, you know, you when you talk to an artist, they might have a different interpretation of what beauty is than than a person who does not create mm -hmm. because a person who creates will understand all these key words when describing mm -hmm. you know female beauty which have to do with elegance something that is elegant something that has a certain line a certain form a certain movement you know there's movement in art women have a certain style of movement mm -hmm. if a man moves a certain way he's judged exactly women are 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 expected to move a certain way. Uh -huh. yeah. Men are not allowed to move a certain way. We're supposed to be very solid and bulky. Yeah. We're not allowed to have a certain sway because if we have a certain sway, then we're judged. Um, but art always should have movement. You know, uh, you don't want an, a piece of art that is just totally still because it's just like there's nothing to look at. Um, color is huge. We were just talking about color. Color is huge in art. Um, women are the masters of color, right? In 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 humanity women whether it's makeup or the clothes that you wear you guys you women let us know what we're allowed to wear <laughs> <laughs> women dress children women teach you know kids how to dress they teach them what colors are right and which colors are wrong That's and we funny. and we carry that into adulthood and that lets us inform ourselves what we should wear um, so they're the taste makers women are the taste makers women are the original creators of everything and yet they're judged yeah and exactly and and right now it's funny because like you said women are the creators of everything by nature but now everything is ruled by a male figure and it's funny because then the female she doesn't have the freedom anymore to do whatever she was supposed to do by nature well, i think we're taking that freedom back <laughs> <laughs> even even men too like men men are allowed to feel men are allowed to cry and, and exactly, the exactly. Hell they want. it's like everyone's taking that freedom back no one's no one's taking that anymore no one's taking that shit anymore everyone's gonna be exactly what they want to be what colors they want to wear 
you know, it's, it's hard enough as it is. It's really hard enough as it is out here for you not to be able to express yourself how you mm -hmm. want to. So, all right. So swinging this back around because we got real feminist for a second here. <laughs> I, got, I got a little intimidated. Oh, my God. <laughs> but swinging this back around, um, beauty and art. I think I got into art to be free. I got into art to express myself, and I think so did most artists. And I think... Um, sometimes artists are afraid to make something beautiful because they might be judged. Um, I've seen that. I've seen when artists don't want to represent beauty. They want to go against the concept of what is beautiful and they make quote-unquote ugly art. They, okay. make, they make art that is, um, that is rude or crude, that is raw, that is uh, splattery and, and slashy and, and muted and... Uh, you're using colors that are grayed out. You, you don't use colors, you, you go against color. You draw the figure in an abstract way that is quote unquote ugly on purpose because sometimes because you're afraid to, sometimes because you're afraid to make something beautiful. If I, I got into art to, to make beautiful things. Even my ugliest things I make beautiful or the ugliest subject matters I make, I try to make them attractive. I want my art to represent something that is appealing to the eye. Even if it's some, a subject matter that, that isn't that great. I, I, I try to sugarcoat things so that you swallow it better in hopes that you'll accept more of the things that I'm telling you to get that information, that line of communication going. Because um, for me, I, maybe I don't, I don't get to voice myself as much as I wish I could. So I take advantage of every time that I make art to be able to get my voice into your eyes, you know, into your mm -hmm. head. Um, so it's, it's counterproductive for me to make something unappealing. Okay, um, but that's my case, my personal. Yeah, I, I try to make as uh, weed as pretty as possible. <laughs> in, in all, in all ways, I just try to make it bubbly and pretty. It's like bubble gum and, and lollipops, and hey, here's some weed too. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which make it it makes it fun. Yeah. It like well, yeah, because it, it makes it fun. But um, up until I'm gonna say maybe in the past three or four years. It was never really put on the table. Hey, weed is cool. Hey, I have like my grinder in my bag. I have um, a little case for my joints. I have pink joints. I have stickers. I decorate my bong with, you know, it didn't really make the main wave until like right now where people are realizing like weed is not just something you smoke. It's a fashion statement. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and you have it in clothes, you have it in your hair, you have decals, you have fake tattoos, you have festivals, you know, it's it's truly a lifestyle. Like, and there's no reason why the art shouldn't represent that part of it too. Yeah. True. Where, yeah. where can people see your your art and your, your, your cannabis influencing? <laughs> <laughs> My art is um, on Instagram. I am Visine Queen on Instagram. And then I also have the website, which is visinequeen.com. All right, culture talk. Very excited to be in this episode with the two lovely ladies, Carla de Puerto Rico yes. and Visine Queen. Hello. <laughs> and what are we going to be talking about, Carla? So we're going to be talking about colorism and colorism specifically in Latino communities. So what I don't understand is what's the difference between colorism and racism? Yeah, so colorism is a form of discrimination based on skin color and it can happen with people within the same culture. 
so basically it doesn't matter your financial status or anything like that it's all based on how you look so so discrimination based specifically on appearance yeah all right so for example like people can be racist against let's say somebody from another country an immigrant like italians people are racist against italians or against uh, let's say muslims different religion uh mexicans right you're from another right. country mm -hmm. but colorism can, you can be from the same country so you basically assign a value to a person's skin color yeah whether depending on what culture you're in maybe lighter is better or darker is better um depending on what you're doing like if you're i mean colorism could be negative in a sense like if somebody discriminates and says well i want my basketball players to be all black all exactly. dark skinned because just because of their skin color and the way they look they think that they're going to be better at that sport or vice versa mm -hmm. if you say i want my lawyer to be a white okay, guy exactly because lighter skin is better for that or whatever you know and in latino cultures it's very subtle um these discriminations happen in different ways because we are so mixed it's not only because of this the color of your skin but it's also yeah. um your facial features and how you look overall uh, yeah. and that's thing that's why it happens in, within the black community and more in latino communities because it's like when they say oh you should marry that white man so para que limpia la raza so what? you can clean the race yeah so, or just marry that white man so that your children have good hair or stuff like that there's a lot mm -hmm. of comments in, in good, our good communities hair like, good hair like visine queen <laughs> yeah, she has beautiful hair. This, this is the bad kind. <laughs> For them, bad, exactly. Bad, bad meaning good. Uh-huh. Pelo malo. Well, just just so that so that let's let's do this because this is a podcast. This is all audio, so nobody can see us. Let's just do a quick description. Let's self-describe. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so I'll start with myself. I am a Colombian background, right? But I am light-skinned. Yeah. I am. Sometimes people have said I even look like pale, like like Dracula. <laughs> because because I have that I have that very pale pale I have very pale skin and then I have very black hair exactly and I have light brown eyes yeah so I have a mixture I have a European mixture but but I think I've there's no confusion uh, you know you look I've, like a you look like a count yeah I look, exactly count count Cortez count Cortez yeah yeah I got that I got that look um, but but there's no confusing, you know, when when I meet people, they definitely assume I'm some sort of Mexican or Hispanic or sometimes I'll get Italian, depending somebody who sees me that might think I'm Italian or Greek or things like that. Um, but that's what I grew up in, and my brother is, is darker skin. My brother's a lot a lot more. And my Indian. Yeah, he's more like what we say Indian. Yeah. yeah. Um, my mother's very light skin. My father's light skin, blue eyes. My father has blue eyes. Yeah. Um, but I would say I'm pretty Latino looking, but on the very light side, I'm the lightest shade of brown you could find. Uh -huh. What about you, Carla? Um, I am Puerto Rican, but I look what they call, <laughs> people say that I look Mexican because I am like, my skin is brown, kind of like light brown, I would say. And I look like a little indigenous person. <laughs> uh, my hair is straight. My hair is super straight. Um, I have big lips and my eyes are like very um, achinados. How you call that in English? Asiatic. Chinky. Yeah, chinky. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Asiatic, yeah, Asian looking. 
yeah, yeah like asian looking so i have like a little combination uh sometimes i i definitely don't look like a definition of a puerto rican but yeah i look like an indigenous person yeah and by zoom which oh. we are anyways exactly we are yeah, yeah. yeah okay i am a meat popsicle no um <laughs> Do you remember that from Sixth Sense? I'm so old. Um, not the Sixth Sense, uh, the Fifth Element. Um, no, I am, so I'm Dominican by culture, uh, family descendant. Um, I'm American. I'm dark-skinned. I'm black. I'm honestly not too far off from Carla's skin tone, mm -hmm. but facial features and the hair and everything else kind of puts me more in the black area. So depending on who you are and where you come from, You could say I'm black. You could say I'm Jamaican. I had somebody ask me, oh, my God, if I was from Ghana. Um, <laughs> I had a guy the other day tell me that I look straight black, that I don't look, I don't look Dominican at all, that um, if I just learn Spanish um, from learning it. Um, so, I mean, it depends. Like, right now I have curly hair. I usually do have it straight, but right now it's curly and a fro. And like I said, it really depends on who I'm speaking to because I could be either or. I've had people argue with me and tell me that I'm not Dominican. Wow. Or that I just learned the Spanish. Yeah, I've also had people not um, speak to me until they realize that I speak Spanish or that I am Latino. So it, wow. it's, it, yeah, it really depends where you are or where you go. Yeah, for me, it's just crazy how people can <laughs> just have like a argument with you about something that you know. Of course, yeah, yeah I am Dominican. I, I was raised Dominican. I was born in a Dominican family. How are you going to tell me? No, you're not. <laughs> It's, it's, it yeah. was all in your imagination. It was ju just a dream. Yeah, I, I think. Or I'll have people tell me that I'm not black because um, I didn't grow up in the black culture per se. Yeah. So I grew up in the Latino Dominican culture in a Dominican house amongst Dominicans who, as people know, are usually very racist. And my family actually is extremely racist. Um, so, you know, even me calling myself black right now, right. if I was to say that around my mom, she'll tell me, stop saying that. Don't say that. Right. Don't say you're black. And it's like, hello, like, are you blind? You're looking at me and that's what you see. So, I mean, unfortunately, that term is a negative term to some people. And um, some Latinos do not want to be regarded as black. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think, I think, um, well, I know. Okay. So in, in my, in my immediate family, my grandmother is an example of, of somebody in my family that had features that I never really could pinpoint. My grandmother looked very, she almost looked Philippine. She almost looked like, like in like Asiatic, uh, to to an extent. Yeah. Um, I never I never really pinpointed what her background would be like, um, but it definitely was a cue to me that my family comes from other places and it's not just European. Mm -hmm. It in my personal experience, and now this is my woe is me moment, but <laughs> um, in my personal experience, yeah, I, I got I got some. You know, people throwing stuff at me for my appearance in Latin in the in Latin communities. I tend to look very white, Americanized. You know, when they see me, they they acceptable. Or or I mean, in some places they would actually be a little like weird to me because they were like, "Well, you have you have like Asian hair because my hair is very black and straight." So they were like, "You, you have Asian hair. Um, you look you look light skinned so you don't you don't look like you're down." Mm -hmm. You know, like to yeah, some people yeah. they might get that impression like I'm not part of them and you know I, i i guess i guess it's how you take that information like for me i took it as like more a, a learning a, information i had to learn from mm -hmm. i took it as something to learn from and to build off of 
in communicating with with other Latinos. Um, but because there was so many people around me, they're so mixed that you you kind of as a Latino growing up, you kind of understand that there's very a lot of variety. Yeah. In the looks and and um, and there's no positive or negative. I think the po- I think this conversation we're having right now in this section is more about how people take that that information and how they use it. They weaponize it. They use it as a negative. Exactly. Because I don't think between us here we're we've really used it as negatives towards other Latinos, but I think it can be weaponized, right? When No, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that it comes from whatever people lived over there and we see it when I was back in Puerto Rico. I will watch novelas and I will watch TV shows and everybody that was there, it was very light-skinned. I never, I had a friend um, that she's black and she's morena, like morena straightforward and she lives in Puerto Rico. And I never, I never, and I think now thinking about it, I never saw anybody like her in in TV shows or in reality shows or in novelas in Puerto Rico living over there. Starting over there, um, you see all that representation in the media. Then you move to to the United States where everything is even more segregated because back in Puerto Rico we don't talk about racism because it's something supposedly that it doesn't exist. But then when you think about it, yeah, it does. When you see what is being represented, what is being called beautiful, you see that, yeah, we have something um, that we don't talk about. But then when you come here, I think that it becomes clear that we need to have this conversation because it's something that we ignore and that is not Mm -hmm. part of our communities back in Latin American countries. But because here um, you have to be either black or Latino or white, it's difficult for somebody that looks black but is Latino to say, oh, I'm an uh, Af- Afro-Latina or I'm an Afro-Latino. And people don't understand it. And they say, no, you're black or you're Latino. Why I cannot be both? Yeah. Every nation in the world has an indigenous group of people or a group of natives. And they've literally, for the most part, have always been black. So the skin color, the, the tone, the you know, the, the lifestyle of itself of being a dark-skinned person is all around the world. Exactly. You know, it's not it's not just us that we happen to look this way or have been the result of that way or have been the um, what's left of the natives that were pillaged in our nations. Mm-hmm. We're not just the only ones that were created from this massacre. There are people who are genuinely have c- continued that lineage because they've always looked that way. Mm-hmm. So it's like the brown has always been the native. And what you're seeing, right, is the... Um, the breakdown right now of the eradication of the natives because that's what's been going on for maybe the last thousand years they're trying to like wipe out any type of ideal of a dark-skinned um person but they can't especially at this point you know people are rising against anything they don't believe in that doesn't make them happy and right now we're a part of that we're a part of shutting that mentality down like if there's no space for the black Afro-Latino, there's going to be from now on. We're going to make it. It's going to be here. Like, you don't have a choice. Yeah, I think I think one of the... So, to, to swing back to the topic, because I know, I know we were going to talk about Amara. Right? Yeah. Amara La Negra. <laughs> but to swing back to that topic, and I think this... For me, this bridges those this conversations is... So, growing up, I didn't really see it on TV because I didn't pay attention. So, I didn't really see whether there was light or dark. But... I grew up listening to salsa music. Salsa music played by Afro-Latinos. Exactly. So I grew up listening to them, but not seeing them. Mm -hmm. 
and never understanding why I wasn't seeing them. And I think now mm. we can understand why we, we only listened we and danced them. to exactly. them, but didn't see them. Yeah. They weren't featured as much as they could be on television for us to see. And it's because they were Afro-Latinos and we, 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 they were all around us. And, and we were the ones partying together, all of us. But we never realized that they weren't being featured. They weren't given their, you know, their their shine as much as the lighter skinned people in, when it came to regular broadcast television, yeah. I guess. I remember when Celia Cruz was the big, you know, Afro-Latina on TV, and it would always be with a, she would be she would appear, but it would always be with comments. You would hear comments, ah la morena, ah la you know. Yeah. And she would play into that and be like, Yeah, la morena con el sabor y con el tumbao and everything like that. But but there's a there's a an acknowledgement that yes, that was she knew she was going to be criticized. I think mm -hmm. you know, uh, in my background, Colombia, it would be Joy Arroyo. Joy Arroyo, yeah, one of the biggest names of salsa for Colombia and Colombian music, and his Afro Latino look and his his African, you know, his uh, uplifting of the African okay. sound and in, in, in making bringing it to the to a putting it on a pedestal, you know, where it's undeniable. Yet, you know, if, if if when they do the the novela for him, they pick the lighter skinned, model looking guy mm -hmm. to represent Joy Arroyo. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing with the Celia Cruz novela. They yeah. picked a lighter skinned, you know, like a, a more model looking kind of. And this always happens when they want to portray somebody in a novela. They try to make it more visually pleasing. Um, so now we get to a, some of our favorite musicians that are. Realizing our favorite musicians that might be either Afro-Latino or even African-American and they don't when you when they get to be represented visually They get criticized right because they yeah. if they want to be as African as they want to be they get judged Yeah, right? and that's that's the thing with Amara La Negra and What happened with her right? So we know Amara La Negra was in love and hip-hop uh, Miami mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, So she um, she's a singer and she has been a singer and a dancer for the longest and she is she's, black she's Dominican right? she's Dominican yes gotcha. okay. and she's black and she has curves and she has a full body and she has an afro and I think that the whole conversation about Amara started because in the Love and Hip Hop show one guy that unfortunately he's called he's Puerto Rican supposedly um, said like, oh, but you are Afro-Latina because you have an Afro? That's why you're Afro-Latina? And she was like, what are you talking about? You, you don't look at me. And yes, I have I have an Afro, but I'm black. And yes, I'm, a, I'm an Afro-Latina. How is it that you don't understand that this is a term? And yeah, this is happening. And this is who I am. Who are you to say you need to be more Beyonce or you need to be... Oh, maybe if you, if you have your hair down or if you use wigs... What the fuck? So um, this is what happened with Amara La Negra. And I think that Amara uh, La Negra is a good um, example that we need representation. We need people like her. We need people mm -hmm. like me. We need people like <coughs> Vicene Queen in, in media, not only in the United States, but in our own countries. So we can feel like we're being represented. So I, I've been following Amara. I mean, I remember her when I was younger, but I don't, I didn't see her until recently um, before she was on the show. So I started following her and just seeing her lifestyle. I actually seen her at a, 
or a scene of her at an Afro-Latino festival that they have in New York City. She was there last summer. She did a speech and then she also performed. And that's when I first saw her um, because I follow a group of a lot of Latino girls from the different islands from Puerto Rico and from DR that represent a lot of Afro-Latino um, activities. So I seen her movement and I really appreciate it. And I see how she kind of carries it on her shoulders. And a lot of people are corny about, oh, she's still promoting her, her career. Well, yeah, she's still trying to be famous. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, she's still repping for us as harder than anybody I've ever seen yeah. go that looks like her. Um, and what you were just explaining, Carla, is something called gaslighting. So I think a lot of women need to, like, uh, become familiar with all these different terms so you can address what these people do. So gaslighting, what it is, is when you explain yourself to someone and they kind of um, laugh back in your face at what you're saying. And then when you start to defend yourself, they kind of turn it around and talk about your attitude, your behavior. Well, you were being loud, but you were being um, confrontational. Well, you were talking too much. Why are you attacking me? I mean, it's not an attack. She's explaining to you right. that you're offending her by telling her that her hair has something to do with her Afro-Latinidad. At the end of the day, she was explaining to him who she is as a person. And you're basically telling her that I will accept you more as a human being when your hair is straightened, when you look more civilized. Hmm. So aside from him saying that to her, when she blew up in his face, he turned it back on her. He said, hey, hold on, you're attacking me. I didn't say anything to you. Take it down a notch, slow it down. And it's like, this behavior, what does it do? In the end, it gets you more angry, more aggravated. And now you might turn into the quote unquote, angry black girl. Exactly. So it, it's a it's a lose-lose, but you have to turn it around on these people and she did turn it around on him and it kind of backfired on him either way mm -hmm. but um it was fun to see that because that's a conversation everybody that looks like her has all the yeah. time yeah have you ever all the time you ever been trapped in that conversation i have man um just with the consistent questions of what are you what do yeah. you look like well why do you look that way but oh um do you have this or like is this a we is this a wig like why would this be a wig like it just the incredulous amount of questions that people approach you with that they feel that it's okay to ask you about you as a person as a human it's like you're a walking experiment i was just at a job that um i was working for briefly and i remember someone like stood next to me and they just started playing with my hair oh your hair is no. so pretty and it's no. like it's like no. um, and I couldn't say anything because she's like, tu pelo es tan bonito, que lindo oh se ve rizo. And I don't want to disrespect her by telling her, don't fucking touch my hair, because old Spanish people don't care. Yeah. They do whatever the hell they want. So I'm just like, si, gracias, like a pendeja. Oh and, my God. Ah, no choice, you know, but this is what it is. People like us yeah. are consistently on display. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so sordid. It's so sordid. And, and we need to constantly talk about everything that's happened because if we don't, we're going to keep forgetting why these things happen. People do stuff like that because people were actually on display mm -hmm. in zoos, exactly. in places as, as exactly, oh, exactly. here, touch this human. Here, look, a black person behind a cage, an Indian person behind a cage. They were actually doing this at some point. Mm -hmm. This still carries on today. Yeah, I was showing Carla this YouTube video that was talking about human zoos and all that kind of stuff. And um, eugenics, how eugenics are used or were used, probably still used, the, the fake mm -hmm. science, you know. They right? are. Racist They're science. <laughs> yeah, the concepts of what is the superior, what is the inferior race, uh, what is an ideal race. Um, that uh, if, if you know that there's a weak, a weaker race, then we have to get rid of that race because we need the, the perfect race, we need the best race. And it's usually all based on, on bullshit. All this fake it science is. is usually based on religion, it's based on politics. Mm -hmm. um, economical gain you know what i mean yep. a lot of this a lot of this mentality came from people trying to justify especially in the united states 
people trying to scientifically justify slavery. You know, why? Financially. Why, why, financially trying to justify. Yeah. Why? why because they, they know it's wrong, but yeah. they just didn't want to work. They exactly. came here for a new world for them to make other people work. And I, I guess we, we know we know that scientists can be bought because obviously a big example is like tobacco, how they, you know, scientists came up with bogus ways of explaining tobacco yeah. and, and oh, just put this explanation on the packaging and it'll be fine. Yeah. But tobacco is something that was killing people. Um, there's a lot of things that if you want to get away with something and you, you, wanna, you got a financial reason to get away with something, you can hire a scientist to twist the facts in your favor and make it sound like it's science fact instead of science fiction, which a lot of this eugenics and racism yeah. concepts, you know, came from. Yeah. Um, but going back to what Vicene was saying about <laughs> the lady touching her hair. Yeah. Every time I, I hear things like that, I'm like, but that's just, it's general rules of respect. You just don't touch yeah, anybody. Yeah, people don't get those. Black people yeah. don't get those. I'm like, I, when you're black, you don't get that. You get to do what it. we want to do to you. Well, I, I don't get it either, but it's the worst. It's the worst yeah. thing in the world. We were doing a wall. Uh, I don't remember if you were there because my memory is trash, but we were doing a wall in Kingston, New York. Mm -hmm. That's upstate New York. And um, there was a restaurant right near where the wall, the, uh, they were doing it on these trains. It's like a train uh, museum. Okay. So there's like a restaurant right near there, a nice tavern, very large, very pretty, uh, very Caucasian. So I walk inside. And I go to purchase a drink, um, like a soda or something small, fries or whatever. Literally walk to the bar. I'm waiting for someone to pay attention. There's a man here, there's a man behind the bar, and there's a girl behind the bar. And there was more people around. So um, they took a moment to like serve me. It was like, they kept like falling over their words because they didn't really want to kind of like talk to me. And the girl finally was like, what can I help you with, hon? And then I told her. So while I'm waiting for her to serve it to me, there's a guy next to me and he looks at me from head to toe. He was like, are you good? Like, basically like, why are you in here? I was like, yeah, are you good? Like, and then the owner was just staring at me, like puffing and puffing, like waiting for me to walk out. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> I didn't even do anything. I'm just buying something. But it's like, they, some people just don't want you around or they want to play with you and like prick at you and poke at you like you're a specimen or something like, or they want to just offend you. Well, people have to understand that even though you want to lend a lot of energy to this, um, behavior, you have to try not to. Mm -hmm. Because the same way it happens as often as it does, you can't react every single time. You really do have to understand how to take it in, walk away, leave, give it a smile. Because honestly, life is too short to be giving in to every single time something like this happens, you know? It's not worth yeah, it. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. Because you I... want to approach the conversation and you want to give somebody a lesson and teach them stuff and everything. But sometimes it's not even worth it. Yeah, it's not even, wanna... the, the person, the specimen in front of you isn't even worth, exactly. worth the, the talk. And they're not even worth the explanation. Exactly. But they're not going to learn nothing. They just want to They just want to treat you like crap because they have you in front of them. I, exactly. I guess I guess, I guess, guess the point there is don't fight with everyone. Pick and choose your battles. But when yeah, man. But I, then my, what I would say is, but when you do have that pinnacle moment, when you do have a moment in your life that is significant, don't be afraid to speak up. Sure, because sure. there will be that time where mm -hmm. you will realize... When it's realize, worth your time, when yeah. it's worth your energy. Yeah. Um, but this this lifestyle, like, there's a reason why African-Americans have the highest level of hypertension um, by by medical studies. It's it's because of this constant negativity. It's this, this constant feel of um, this backlash or this apprehension that you walk around with because you know already what your life is. Mm -hmm. You know already what you're going to deal with every time you're around five or six white people or you're in a place where it's more them than you or you're on the bus or you're in a store waiting for something or like mm -hmm. anything. You just know like there's a pretty good chance or you're driving, mm -hmm. you know, and 
there are cops around, like, which just happened to me not so long ago. I just beat a ticket. There's so many things that we as minorities, African-American and Latinos, have to deal with that, and on top of that, to have to deal with our own issues within our own communities, like what is colorism, it's just, it's very sad because it's like, from the people that you're supposed to have the support, the people that you're supposed to be, exactly, your community, the people that are supposed to have your back, and you're not getting it just because of the color of your skin. And then when they come here, they don't understand that when they put us, all of us, in a spectrum, we're all minorities. For them, we're all nothing. So then why are you going to be against somebody that is equal to you at the eyes of others? And it's just well, it's I mean, crazy. That, that, I think that's the other, the other problem with that is, unfortunately, because we are we are raised within this system, mm -hmm. you know, of, of what is better or worse or equal. Yeah. All of those things are bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all bad, whether it's better, uh -huh. worse, or equal. The fact that you put yourself on a scale is the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, it, it yeah. relates to the paintings. And we were talking about the, the European, the European view of art. It's, it's the European lifestyle. It's the Eurocentric beginnings it's the fact that um most of the teachings in this life or the the um the understanding of what a native is although we have pyramids in most of our countries and all these these um advanced different hieroglyphics and technological advances before things even happened we're still represented as people that ran around in loincloths yeah so we're consistently treated amongst each other like we're nothing so to please the one who has the reins we treat each other like shit to please the one who actually has the control, we want to show them that we hold you, our own, on, as a low regard. Mm -hmm. So we want to consistently remind each other our place in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, I've dressed up as Wednesday Adams for Halloween. I don't care what color you are. If I like you, I'm gonna dress <laughs> like you. So I've been in families' houses who are Dominican and they'll send somebody, excuse me, are you supposed to be Wednesday Adams? And I just, I was, why? Oh no, just asking. Say it though, because I'm black. <laughs> and since I'm black, I can't dress like Wednesday because she's white. Say it. Or when I dress the way I dress, the way we all dress, urban, sneakers, whatever. Ay, pero tú te viste como que tú te crees como que tú eres blanca. Oh, you dress like you think you're white. What, what, what part of my outfit is representation of a, of a different culture? Like, but this is, this is the constant. It's, um, yeah. We're holding each other at a measuring at yeah. a measuring level all the time. Who's better? Who's better? Yeah. Who's better under the eyes of the white man? Who's yeah. better under the eyes of this white man? Um, do we match up to him? Are we good enough for them? And it's 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 just it's sickening already. Yeah. Yeah. It's sickening. Color colorism. So colorism, colorism in in television. I've heard, I've heard explanations for it in the past of why there's more white people or were or were. I mean, they still are, but why there were more white people in television than, than dark skin. One one explanation from a technical perspective was that it was it was because television was black and white and it was uh, so difficult. Bye. I've heard that. Bye. No, exactly. But I, but this is what you hear. <laughs> this is what you hear. I've heard I've heard that because it was television was black and white and it was difficult to balance skin tones, right? Because you had light very light skinned people, very pale skinned people and then you had black people and they would the, the balance the, the camera could not balance between the two uh -huh. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. they got some nerve yeah, but no. they used to put white people painted as black people exactly on TV shows. exactly 
but you could you could see them just fine on the black and white screen. Everything could be explained away, right? Like if, sure. you, if you really want an explanation, you can find some scientific or exactly. technical reason why you can't do it. Exactly. Instead of instead of just well, you know, now well, you're gonna have to accept it. Now the camera looks like this. Make better cameras. Like what the hell's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. If that's the problem, make a better camera. Um, I think. I think colorism on TV is still, it's still a thing. You still see it. Everything's still very whitewashed. It's a shame. You feel it, right? When you see a movie that, that doesn't have that, that is, if you, when you see a movie that is cast in a way that they really incorporate all types of looks yeah. and all types of um, sizes and, and proportions and everything, like when you see a, a very, a, a cast of, of a movie or a television show that is, very mixed. You really see it, and, and especially the languages. When you hear different languages, you really feel it. It feels a little more authentic, right? Yeah, it does. So, I think to, ra to wrap yeah. this up, because I knew it was going to be a loaded conversation. Yeah. Uh, and we got no solutions. We got no solutions. Um, no, no, there are solutions. There are things that are changing. Like, you know, for Amara to be able to say everything that she said in this short time frame is appreciative. There are things that are changing. Yeah. It's just going to take a long time. So there are a few girls that um, are doing their part to kill it in the um, Afro-Dominican mentality, natural views of people, um, of Dominican women in the world and just dark-skinned people in general. So I have one person, her name is Carolina. Her Instagram is um, Miss underscore Rizos, R-I-Z-O-S. And she actually, um, she does a lot of activism here and in the Dominican Republic. And she owns a hair salon in Santo Domingo where she only does natural hair. Oh, wow. And she consistently does different seminars, classes, workshops, free hairstyles for kids so they can embrace their Dominican side. Like when I found her page, I almost cried because I never thought I would actually see people out there, out there on the on the land adopting this. That's it. I'm natural. I'm this. And you're not going to take this away from me. Um, and I'm like super proud of her. She does so many different things in the space. There's also um, Zahira at bad underscore Dominicana. She's been like one of the main, if not the main activists for the Afro-Latino culture for the past maybe like 11 years. Wow. Since I started my website, she's been on Tumblr talking her shit, Twitter talking her shit. She does a lot of different, she does TED Talks, uh, Howard University Talks, uh, Harvard. She's done a million different talks, um, just being like real Dominican, real real, um, <laughs> speaking on um, the colonialism and everything that's, you know, happened to us as a nation. Mm -hmm. um, there's also two girls that are like poets that they're here in New York. Um, one is um, Danielle. Her Instagram is Afro Dominican, the letter X, things. Um, she's a poet and she was actually recognized by um, a few different schools for her efforts. She's a graduate of John Jay Criminal Justice from my school. And um, she's really young and these kids are like killing it with their spoken word um, and their positive message of just black people and Afro Latinos. And another girl who she went to school with as well, feminist. Her Instagram is Feminist Mommy, and her name is Melania, also another poet and speaker. So these girls are just like really representative of the space, and they're consistently doing stuff outside with the people, with children, with adults. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There's one more person that I totally forgot. Go for it. There's a girl named um, Claribel. Her Instagram is Dominicans Love Haitians Movement, and she's like super important to the conversation because we have to kill this barrier 
that Dominicans have against Haitians for the same reason why white and black people have the problem in this country. Yeah. The lack of the conversation of the slavery that was had, the division of people because of the Spaniards, what they left behind after they divided the people, what happened after the Haitians freed themselves and tried to enslave the Dominicans or did enslave them. It's a conversation that we consistently need to have, especially when the, the grandson of Trujillo just said that he would like a wall oh, yeah. I saw that. done between Haiti and DR. And it's like, yeah, that's not the conversation we need to have. <laughs> exactly. And what, what disgusts me the most is why is the media oh. giving you an ear? Uh -huh. There's no reason why anyone with the name Trujillo should ever be regarded in the media. In any way, for everything your family has done, you should never talk. But yeah. this is the this is this is what I'm saying. The media is the disgusting devil. They always want to put these ideas in the people's mind. So we, we need all kinds of kids and the youth to, to argue against this stuff every day. All right. All right, thank you. You wanted me to teach, right? Ahora sí, hablando español, Carla. Sí, vamos a hablar español con Vicin Queen. Vicin Queen. Vicin Queen. <laughs> La reina del Vicin. La reina del Vicine. There you go. All right, so just in case some of y'all new people to the podcast might not know, Hablando Español is a section where Carla will recap some of the words that we've spoken about, but in Spanish, so that we could have some of this vocabulary, English and Spanish. Yeah. And then we'll try to challenge her at the end. Yeah. Go ahead, Carla, give us some words. So, beauty. In Spanish. Belleza. Yes. She's got it, belleza. All right, very good. Okay. <laughs> one for one. How do you say um, artifact in Spanish? Did you say artifact? Yes. Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> it's very similar. No, I, I, I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't know. So you say it is artefacto. Okay, artefacto. Arti or arte? Artefacto. Arte, artefacto. Yeah. Artefacto? There you go. Got it! <laughs> okay, <laughs> so the next one is beautiful. How do you say beautiful in Spanish? I think it would be lo bella, no? Yeah, like bello or bella. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Next one is dangerous. How do you say dangerous? Peligroso. Yes. Yeah, she knows her stuff, man. Come on, Carla, you gotta do another one. I told you. Okay. Next one is ideals. What was that? Ideals. Oh, um. Ideals. Oh, like I Like an ideal. Know. Like an ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got it. No, it's more like I like what you, what, you know, like your mentality. Go ahead, you do it. How do you say? Ideal. Yeah, but because it is ideals, is ideales. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the next one is Greek. How do you say Greek in Spanish? Greek. Um. Grecio, no? Griego. Griego. Yeah. Griego. Because Greco. Greco? El Greco. Oh, that's Italian product for Greek. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Griego. Got it. All right. Crossover. <laughs> Next one will be toys. How do you say toys in Spanish? Toys. Like, like juguetes? Yeah. There you go. Juguetes. Uh -huh. All right. Easy. Man, you gotta... Come on, Carla. You came easy. Were you trying to be nice to my Z? You trying to give her the easy ones? No. She did. Thank you. Yeah, she did. Okay, the next one is uh, Roman. How do you say Roman? Romano. Yes. Romano, okay. 
Okay. Next one is fertility. Okay. Fertility. Fertilidad. Yeah. Fertilidad. Okay. Yeah. You ah, you think really? <laughs> You're looking for words. <laughs> I'm looking for words to challenge okay. you a little more. <laughs> the next Just start one. Start bringing out the books. Uh huh. The next one is elegant. How do you say elegant in Spanish? Elegancia. Elegante. Elegante, right, right. So elegancia is elegance. Elegante mm. is elegant. Yeah. All right. So next one is movement. How do you say movement in Spanish? Um, movimiento. Yeah. Bingo. Carla, you. And the last one that I have over here is abstract. How do you say abstract in Spanish? Hmm. I have no idea. Is abstracto. Okay. Oh, I thought, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Abstracto, <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Do you have any words? Uh, all right. Well, I mean, I guess I guess something that I would say is we were talking about feminine beauty. So, um, how do you say feminine? That's an easy one. Not uh, femenina, no? Femenina? Yeah. Fe fe so is it femenina or femenino? What are you? What? So if I say give uh, me a sentence. Belleza. Femenina. Belleza femenina. Femenina. Yeah. Arte. Femenino. Femenino. Yeah. Okay, so it de it would depend on what is the the, the word coming before. before it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. What about how do you say ancient? Mm. <laughs> it's not antiguo? Antiguo? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Let's go to Google. Okay. Oh Google my god. It. Oh my god. <laughs> no trust. It is antiguo. I think that's antiguo. Antiguo. Oh, is that Antiano? Uh, Antiano's an old person. No, it is Antiguo. Yeah. All right, you got it. You got it. Pasó el examen. <laughs> so did you, Carla. <laughs> All right, wait up. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. Oh, you have wait. another one? Yeah. What? How do you say century? Damn, y'all. How do you say century? <laughs> century is siglo. Oh, that's why I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Wow, siglo. Because it's totally different. Yeah. yeah, that's completely different. Siglo. Yeah, that is, that is very different. That one, that one would have thrown me off. So yeah. century is siglo. Mm -hmm. All right. And I think, yeah, now that's it. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> You're off no. the hook this Pasa time, Carla. Like I should know better. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another episode wrapped up and put away. Yes. Thank you, Visine Queen, for being a guest. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. You guys can't see this, but there's a cloud of smoke all over the place. This whole place. <laughs> whenever she's in the house, the whole place is foggy. It's transferring over there. <laughs> Getting that contact from way over here. Um, but where can people find you and find all of your cannabis... Cannabis? Influence. Influence. <laughs> Um, everyone can find me on Instagram. Again, it's Visine Queen. Um, and I also have the website, VisineQueen.com, but mostly on Instagram. And that's it, pretty much. All right, cool. If you Google me, you'll see a bunch of other stuff as well, but Instagram mainly. 
All right, maybe next time we have you on here, we'll talk about your art and explore a little more of your art origins. Okay. <laughs> that will be fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Next episode is episode 20, podcasting, because we're such experts now. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're going to be discussing some of the things that we've learned so far uh, in this podcast adventure. How to record, how to organize, all those good details, tips and tricks for anybody interested. How to promote. Yeah. Yeah. For people interested in podcasts. Yeah. And on Culture Talk, we're going to be talking and reviewing Like Water for Chocolate. What? Finally. Yes. Because that is a movie that has all the things we've talked about. Art, poetry. Magical realism. And mothers. Family. And mothers. And mothers. More importantly, mothers. And at the end will be... Hablando Español. Deuces.